Lesson number 184, Surah An-Nur. We will begin from ayah number 58. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, O you who have believed, liyasta'dhinkum, li, should, yasta'dhinkum, he should seek permission from you. Notice the letter lam at the beginning with the kasra. Sometimes you see the letter lam at the beginning of a word with the sukoon on it. So for example, وَلْيَسْتَعْفِفْ وَلْيَسْتَعْفِفْ What does lam mean over there? He should. Right? This lam is known as the lam of amr. What is amr? A command. Alright? An order. So if there is a wow before that, then the lam takes a sukoon. So وَلْيَسْتَعْفِفْ Alright? فَلْيَكْتُبْ If there is a fa also, it will take a sukoon. فَلْيَكْتُبْ Alright? But when there is no harf alf before it, like over here, then what happens to the lamb? It takes a kasra. Alright? So over here, li does not mean for. What does it mean? Should. So, ya ayyuhalladina amanu, O you who have believed, liyasta'dhinkum, he must, he should take permission from you. Who should take permission from you? Alladina malakat aymanukum. Those whom your right hands possess. And who is that? Slaves. So your abid, your ima, whether they're male or female, old or young, regardless of their age, their gender, they must seek permission from you. Who else should seek permission from you? وَالَّذِينَ And those people who لَمْ not يَبْلُغُ They reach, meaning they have not yet reached الْحُلُمْ Puberty minkum among you. Meaning those among you, meaning those free people among you, who have not yet reached the age of hulum. What is hulum? Puberty. It's from the root letters ha, lam, meem. Why is puberty called hulum? Because it's from the word hilm. What does hilm mean? Tolerance. Right? Hilm is basically the ability to control your anger at a time when you're angry. Alright? The ability to control your emotions. Now what happens? Little children, if they get upset, what will they do in the middle of the store? A tantrum, right? What will they do when they want a candy? What will they do? They will start screaming and begging. Isn't it so? And it's embarrassing for the parents. Come on, quiet, not here. Isn't it? They start whining, they start complaining, they start fussing. Why? Because they don't have hilm. However, once a child reaches the age of puberty, then what happens? they develop this realization that I should not be throwing a tantrum like this. I should control my emotions. I should communicate my feelings. I should use words. Right? So this is why puberty is called hulum. Another reason why puberty is called hulum is because it's from the word ihtilam. What does ihtilam mean? Remember in Surah Yusuf we learned about adghathu ahlam. Hmm? That the king when he had his dreams, he was told these are just confused, mixed up, meaningless Dreams. Ahlam are what? Dreams. And ihtilam is used for a wet dream. Alright? So this is why puberty is called hulum because it is the age when a person's, you could say, sexual desire is active and a boy especially he can have wet dreams in the night. So, وَالَّذِينَ لَمْ يَبْلُغُ الْحُلُمْ Those who have not yet reached the age of puberty. For girls, what is the age of puberty? What is the sign that puberty has begun? Menstruation. It is not age 10. It is not age 11 or 12 or 13 or 14. 
What is it? Menstruation. So if a girl begins her menstruation at the age of seven, at the age of nine, what is she? What is she? She is going to be treated like an adult. Alright? And this is why it's necessary, and this is by the way a side point, but it's necessary that as children are nearing this age, they should be informed about it. They should be informed about it. That if you do see something like this, then this is what it means. So they're not caught off guard. Right? Or sometimes what happens is the children, they hear these things from their friends, from their older siblings, and they're talking about it, and they have this weird understanding, weird concept of what it is, what it is not. A girl should know that once I see this, once I see blood, that means that I have reached the age of puberty. You know, we learn that when the Prophet ﷺ, he was once returning from a journey. Alright? And there were these women who were accompanying him also. I mean, because it was a huge group of companions, so women were also there. And there was a little girl. And she sat on the camel of the Prophet ﷺ. The journey was long. It was hot, however it was. Now that girl, she said, I'm sitting on the camel of the Prophet ﷺ. We stopped somewhere. I'm about to get off and I see blood. And she just sat there. She refused to get off. And the Prophet ﷺ said, get off. You know, the little girl. And he said, come on, get off. Everybody's off now. You can imagine how how the Prophet ﷺ was as a leader that he let a little girl ride his camel. Alright? Now this girl is refusing to get off and she started crying eventually and she was sobbing. And then the Prophet ﷺ asked that, what is the matter? And then when he realized that perhaps it's something of this nature... And the Prophet ﷺ left her and he told her what she should do. What she should do. Now the thing is that these things can happen. They can happen. A girl should know. And I heard the story in the seerah that was taught by Shaykh Yasir Qadi. I'm not making it up. Okay? I didn't hear it from a random person. This was taught by Shaykh Yasir Qadi. Alright? So this is inshallah an authentic story. But what we learn from this is that hulum can begin at any point in time. Right? In a journey, at home, at school. And children should be aware of what to do. Otherwise, it could be very stressful for them. Unfortunately, these things are not discussed at home and children are left to figure everything out. And how do they figure it out? The computer has taken the place of parents now. So anyway, over here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that two people, which two people? Slaves, servants, and secondly who? Children. Those who have not yet reached the age of puberty, who are they? Children. Alright? And also for boys, what's the sign of puberty? The change in voice or the mustache on their face. Sometimes they don't get the mustache, they don't get facial hair. Right? So the change in voice, the change in their body size, alright, that is all a sign of puberty. So as long as they're children, there's one rule that they have to follow. Alright? Now you notice over here, that who is being addressed? The parents are being addressed. Alright? The adults are being addressed. The masters are being addressed. That your slaves and your children must follow this rule. Why aren't the children addressed directly? Because they're not gonna know. Right? And when the parents are addressed, what does this show? That it is the parents' responsibility to teach the children this etiquette. You understand? It is the parents' responsibility, it is their duty to teach them the etiquette that is given in this ayah. And if the children do not observe it, if they never learn it, then whose fault is it? 
It's the fault of the adults. It's the fault of the parents. So what is the etiquette? Allah says that they must seek permission. لِيَسْتَأْذِنْكُمْ When is it that they should seek permission? And of course over here we learned about istidhan earlier. What it means is seeking permission before entering. Right? So they should seek permission at ثَلَاثَ مَرَّاتِ ثَلَاثَ Three marat times. Marat, plural of marrah. They must seek your permission at three times. Which three times are those? First of all, min qabli before salatil fajr. The fajr prayer. Before the fajr prayer. So basically it is night time. Right? So if an eight-year-old boy wishes to go into his parents' room, what is he supposed to do? Walk in? Walk in? No, he should be taught by the parents that when you need to come in my room, you have to knock. لِيَسْتَأْذِنْكُمْ So what's the first time? مِنْ قَبْلِ صَلَاةِ الْفَجْرِ Secondly, وَحِينَ And at the time when تَضَعُونَ You put off, from the root letters وَضَعِينَ وَضَعَ To put off, to remove. At the time when you remove ثِيَابَكُمْ Your clothes. ثِيَاب is a plural of ثَوْب Why would a person take off his clothes? Min al-zahira. What's the reason given over here? Min because of al-zahira. Zahira, what word comes to your mind when you hear this word? Zahira. Zuhur. Right? Zuhur is what? Time of midday. And zahira is the time of noon. Alright? The time when the sun is up. The highest point that the sun goes. Alright? And when the sun is up, at that point, what happens? Is it hot or is it cold? It's generally hot. And if you're in the desert, it's more hot. Right? So, Zahira is the time when people would take a nap. This is the time of Qailula, the time of afternoon nap. So because of the extreme heat, what people would do is that they would remove their clothes when resting. Not entirely, maybe partially. You understand? Not entirely, but partially. Or for instance, if they're lying down, they wouldn't take a blanket on top. This doesn't mean that they're lying down like this in the middle of nowhere, right? Out in the open. No, in their bedroom, in their house. So if the children need to come in at this time, or if the servants, the slaves need to come in, what is the etiquette being given over here? That they must seek permission. So if a 10-year-old boy who has not yet reached the age of puberty, he needs to go into his parents' room at this time, at the time of afternoon nap, what is he supposed to do? Seek permission. He shouldn't just barge in. The third time, وَمِن and from meaning at بَعْدِ after صَلَاةِ isha the isha prayer. Meaning after the isha prayer has been performed, then everybody's gone to bed, lights are off, doors are closed, then what does it mean? If a six-year-old, eight-year-old, seven-year-old needs to go into his parents' room, what is he going to do? He has to seek permission. Now these three times, Allah says, they are thalathu three awratil lakum. Awrat, plural of awra. From the root letters, ayn wa awra. Aar. What is aar? Embarrassment. So awra is that which should not be shown. Because if it is shown, then it is a cause of embarrassment for a person. So awrat over here refers to the times of privacy. Allah says, these three times are times of privacy lakum for you. For who? For parents, for couples, for husband and wife, for adults. This is a time of privacy. Now, what do we see over here? 
We learned about the etiquette of isti'dhan earlier in the surah. Right? Now this ayah tells us that isti'dhan should be observed within the house also. Alright? Especially at these times of privacy. And this must be observed by who? Little children. You understand? When it comes to adults, when it comes to adults, those who have reached the age of puberty, who are past the age of puberty, for them, what was the rule that we learned earlier? Anytime they wish to enter into somebody's private space, whether it's a bedroom or it is a house, what is it that we need to do? Seek permission. And we discussed over there that even if a person wishes to go to his mother's room, for instance, what is he supposed to do? Seek permission before entering. Right? So that is with regards to adults. This ayah talks about who? Children. When I was studying this ayah this morning, I was thinking, my son, five-year-old, that means he shouldn't learn about this. He should learn about this. Right? And this means that this etiquette must be taught from a very young age. From the very beginning. That children with age, they must learn the concept of privacy. Their own privacy and also the privacy of other people. That my body is private, right? It's a private matter. I shouldn't let anybody just touch it. I shouldn't let anybody just uncover me, right? And also respecting other people's privacy. So this hukum is for children. That at these three times especially, they must not come without permission. لَيْسَ عَلَيْكُمْ Then Allah says, لَيْسَ عَلَيْكُمْ There is not on you, وَلَا عَلَيْهِمْ Nor upon them, جُنَاحٌ Any sin, بَعْدَهُنَّ After them. After what? After these three times. Meaning beyond these three times, it's permissible for them to come in and go without permission. Alright? So for example, at five o'clock in the evening. Alright? The mother is not resting. Father is not resting. The child wants to go into the mother's room. Can they go? Do they need permission every time? No, they don't need permission every time. They can go in. And this is about who? Little children. We're not talking about adults. Alright, we discussed the adults earlier. This is about little children. Tawafuna alaykum. Tawafun is a plural of? Tawaf. From the root letters? Tawafa. What word comes to your mind? Tawaf. What is tawaf? Going around the Kaaba. So Allah says that these children or servants in your house, who are they? Tawafuna alaykum. They're constantly going around, alright? They're continually circulating among you. Because this is what kids do, in and out, in and out, all day long, right? Running from one room to the other. So, tawafuna alaykum. Ba'dukum, some of you, ala ba'd, over others. Meaning, sometimes they come to you and sometimes you go to them. This is something normal. This is something that happens in the house. كَذَلِكَ يُبَيِّنُ اللَّهُ لَكُمُ الْآيَاتِ Thus does Allah clarify to you the verses, the commands, وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ And Allah is knowing and wise. And if He has given this command, then this command is for our own good. Now, to summarize what we learn in this ayah. First of all, this hukum is for children. Who has to teach them? The adults. This hukum also applies to Slaves, and who has to teach them? The masters, right? Now, if the house is one bedroom, one bedroom, like a small apartment kind of thing, a small house, like there were a long time ago, even now there are many houses like that, one bedroom, alright? That is where they sleep, that is where they eat, that is where they cook, everything is done in one bedroom. And at these three times, if the children or the slaves happen to be outside, then before they come into the house, what do they need to do? 
they need to seek permission. And if, if the house has multiple bedrooms, and the parents are in their room, the door is closed at these three times, then again, what do they need to do before coming in? They need to take permission. Now, what do we learn here? That the privacy that is for the husband and wife, that is for a couple, is respected so much that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is having the adults teach children even, do not invade the privacy of the parents. Why? Because the thing is that regardless of how busy and chaotic a person's life may be, they need time with their spouse. They need time with their spouse. It is essential. It is essential for a healthy relationship and it's also essential for a healthy atmosphere within the house. Because it's possible that outside the room, all right, the wife, for example, constantly working, working, working. Alright, or the husband is outside the house when he comes in one thing after the other, or he's on the phone, or some guests come in, or their relatives. Now, it's difficult to even carry a conversation in this atmosphere. But if the husband and wife have not connected, if they have not communicated with each other, if they have not had a conversation with one another, then what's going to happen? Misunderstanding? Each is frustrated and angry with the other, he's too busy for me, she's too busy for me. Right? Then what happens? Misunderstanding, miscommunication, fights, problems, arguments. And if the husband and wife are not together, then what's going to happen to the rest of the family? Think about it. What's going to happen to the rest of the family? So these three times, the times of privacy that are for the husband and wife, they are so important that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is revealing a law concerning it, a hukum concerning it. Now sometimes what happens is that, okay, the circumstances are such that, you know, it's such a busy, hectic schedule that it's difficult to have a conversation with the husband, for example. But sometimes what women do is that they preoccupy themselves with so many things that they neglect the husband. So for example, if there's a little child, all right, little children, a woman is with the children all the time, all the time, all the time. And the poor husband, he's just sitting there desperately, can I please talk to you? Can I please have a word with you? Oh no, no, I'm busy, I have to change a diaper. And then I have to go wash the baby. And I have to go cook the food. And I have to go clean up. And I have to nurse the baby. And this and that and this and that. One after the other. And the husband is neglected. He is neglected. And this is a fact. It happens. So regardless of how busy and chaotic your life is, if Allah is telling people to give space to the husband and wife, then should the husband and wife not give time to each other also at these three times? Should they not reconnect with each other at these times? Is this not essential for a healthy relationship? It's very, very important. Now we also see that when these three times have been specified as the times of privacy, what does that mean? That what goes on in this privacy is not okay to be shown or to be displayed in front of little children or in front of other people. Right? At other times. Meaning, there are certain things which are between the husband and wife that should be done in privacy. For example, if a woman is dressed up in a particular way, she shouldn't be dressed up like that all the time in front of the whole family. You understand? Or for instance, if there is sitting together, if there is any act of affection, you could say, that should not be done in the open. Because Allah has specified these three times. These three times means that in these three times you do what you want, but beyond these three times, when other people are around, then do not make a public display of affection. 
You understand? Why? Why? And by the way, I don't mean by that that don't even sit next to each other. Right? Or don't even talk to each other. Or don't even look at each other because we've gone to another extreme. Right? That the husband and wife, they have to act like complete strangers. No, you don't have to do that. However, we see that what goes on in privacy should not be done in public. It's not okay that that is shown to children. Something like that is done in front of children. In the house, or whether they are being shown these things through the box, through the television, or somewhere out in a store, it's not correct. It's not appropriate. Why? To preserve the innocence of children. Preserve their innocence. Preserve their mind. Because if they are exposed to these things at such an early age, they do not have the ability to process that information. They don't know what is okay and what is not okay. It leads to many perversions also. So what do we learn from this etiquette? That times of privacy have been given and that means that these times must be first of all respected. They must be accommodated no matter how busy we are. And also this means that what goes on in this privacy should not be displayed in public. Whether it is in the form of action or clothing, conversation, whatever it may be, it should not be done in public. Then Allah says, وَإِذَا and when بَلَغَ He has reached الْأَطْفَالُ The children. Meaning when the children have reached. أَطْفَال is a plural of طِفْل. So when the children have reached, which children men come from you? What have they reached? الْحُلُم Puberty. So the previous ayah was about before puberty. Hmm? Now, what about once they have reached puberty? Then what? Then, فَلْيَسْتَأْذِنُوا Then they must seek permission. كَمَا Just as, إِسْتَأْذَنَ He sought permission. Who used to seek permission? الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ Those before them. Meaning, the adults. Those who are older than them. They should seek permission just like them. كَذَلِكَ يُبَيِّنُ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ آيَاتِ Thus does Allah clarify to you His verses, وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ And Allah is knowing and wise. So what does this mean then? That once they have reached puberty, then they must need permission every time they, every time they enter. So when a teenager boy is going to his house, his mother is there, his sister is there, before he unlocks the door and just barges in, what should he do? Isti'lam. Remember? Make his presence known. Cough, say salam out loud, right? Or do the usual key shaking or something so that the sister knows my brother is here. You understand? So they should seek permission just like those before them used to seek permission. Meaning now they should be like adults. And this is what we learned earlier. يَا أَيُّوَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تَدْخُلُوا بُيُوتًا غَيْرَ بُيُوتِكُمْ حَتَّى تَسْتَأْنِسُوا وَتُسَلِّمُوا عَلَىٰ أَهْلِهَا Now what do we learn from this? We see that the place of women... What is it? What is it? The place of women generally, what is it? Where they are free. It's their house. It's the house that they live in. Because when they go outside, we learn that they have to cover their zina. Isn't it? So that means they have to cover their head. Now if you're wearing your hijab from morning until night, have you ever experienced that? Many times probably. Because you go to school in the morning and you come late at night. Right? What happens by the time you get home? You want to throw your hijab away. Right? Massage your head or something. Isn't it? And just lighten your clothing. You want to do that. But if a woman does not even have privacy in the house, is that fair to her? It's not fair to her. So this is why the men are being taught 
that it doesn't matter whether you are the brother or the son, it doesn't matter who you are. When you go to the house where there are women besides your wife, or other than your wife, then you have to take permission before you enter. It doesn't mean you have to seek permission, permission like may I enter, but there is different ways, and we learned about that sometimes, depending on who the person is, it could be just istirlam, right, making their presence known, and in other situations it could be literally seeking permission. So we see that all the males of the family, they are taught that they should observe istirlam before, Entering the house. So whether it is the daughter-in-law or the sister-in-law, whoever it may be, she's able to cover herself before the male relative comes in. Alright? So this was with regards to isti'dhan. Now the next ayah is about hijab. Alright? Some clarifications about isti'dhan. Now some more clarifications about hijab. So, walqawa'idu and the women. Qawa'id is a plural of qa'idah. Alright? Or qa'id rather. It's the plural of qa'id. And qa'id literally means one who is sitting. Qaf aindal, qu'ud is to sit. So qawa'id refers to those women who are just sitting. What does it mean? Which woman sits most of the time? Someone who is old. Someone who has some health problem. Right? You see, up to a certain age, what happens? People are social. They go for groceries. They go to other people's houses. They go out for a walk. But then what happens? Eventually they reach a point where even going outside, stepping outside the house is a huge challenge. They cannot go outside the house even. Hardly ever they step out of the house. So you're talking about a woman who is extremely old. So al-qawa'idu minan nisa among the women, those who are qawa'id, meaning extremely old, whose movement, whose activities are reduced, they're mainly stationed at home. Allati, those who plural of allati, la yarjuna nikahan, they do not expect nikah, they do not hope for nikah. What does nikah mean? Marriage. All right. So, for example, a woman is a widow. All right. She doesn't have a husband. Alright? Now what happens? She's extremely old and she's reached a point where she hardly goes outside the house and she does not even think about marriage. You understand? Because up to a certain point people suggest maybe you should think about getting married or a woman thinks herself. But now she's reached a point where marriage is not even an option. Why? Because all she can think about is her medications, her food, her sleep, right? Her shower, her appointments. That's all she can think about. That's all what her life mainly revolves around. So, لا يرجون نكاحا Remember that the word nikah is used in two ways. One is عقد, alright, meaning the marriage contract, and the other is sexual intercourse. So, لا يرجون نكاحا Meaning this woman, she has no sexual need, urge at all. She's past that stage. She's completely over it. So such women... Allah says, فَلَيْسَ عَلَيْهِنَّ جُنَاحٌ There is no sin on them. On that, يَضَعْنَ They put down. يَضَعْنَ Again from the root letters, وَضَعْنَ There is no sin on them if they put down, meaning if they take off, ثِيَابَهُنَّ ثِيَاب is a plural of thawb. Their clothing. Now clothes over here does not mean the clothes that they're wearing. Doesn't mean that they're allowed to be naked. No. What this means is, thiyab over here refers to their outer garments. Outer garment. What is the outer garment? What is the outer garment? So for example, a huge khimar, 
right? A huge hijab that is worn as a shawl to cover the head, the neck, the clothes, all right? Or it could even be an abaya, all right? Niqab, all of these things are outer garments. So a woman has been wearing this, for example, all her life. And now she's reached a point where even putting hijab on her head is difficult for her. She can barely change her clothes for her to put an abaya on before going somewhere. She's wheelchair bound. It's very difficult on her. So Allah says there is no harm on her if she takes that off. However, there is a condition. And what is that condition? غَيْرَ Not مُتَبَرِّجَاتٍ Ones displaying bizina adornment. They should not be displaying adornment. The word mutabarrijat is a plural of mutabarrijah. And mutabarrijah is a woman who does tabarruj. The woman who does tabarruj. What is tabarruj? Tabarruj is from the root letter is ba-rajim. And burj. Have you heard of the word burj? What does that remind you of? Burj? Khalifa. Right? What is burj? A tower. Now a tower, is it visible from far? Does it stand out? Of course it does. From far you can see it. Isn't that so? Like for example, the CN Tower, you can see it from Mississauga even. Isn't it? Why? Because it's so huge. So tabarruj is basically the display of adornment, of beautification. Why? Because this display of beautification, what does it do? What does it do? Does it make a woman stand out? Yeah? Does it highlight her? Does it make her presence known and obvious somewhere? Or not just presence, but rather her attraction, her beautification. I mean, it becomes attractive. Alright? Now, buruj is used for stars also. Alright? Now, if, for example, on your clothes you have those small stars, you know those diamond teeth, right? On your abaya sometimes you have it. So what happens from far? You move your arm, And what happens? From far, somebody can notice it. This is tabarruj. This is displaying adornment. You understand? Flashiness. That's basically what it is. Flashiness. Being flashy. And how is it that people, women, become flashy? Either through bright colors, or contrasting patterns, or color on their face, or you could say, you know, hair, or whatever it may be, adorning oneself up. You know, when a woman is decked out, So over here it is said that these women, these old women also, because Allah knows the nature of women, right? That even though she will be so old, that she'll barely be able to walk, but she has to wear her necklace, and she has to wear her earrings, and she has her jewelry, and her nice clothes, and everything. Isn't that the case? I mean, even old, old women, what do they have hanging in their closets? Fancy clothes that they haven't worn for 20 years, but they still have them because they might want to wear them. Right? Because it's in the nature of women. Despite our age, little, middle, or old. Doesn't matter what age we are at. It's in our nature to dress up. Single, married, doesn't matter. We want to dress up. Right? So over here Allah says that such extremely old women, they may take off their hijab, right? Their jilbab. However, they should not be displaying zina. That that old woman on the wheelchair should not say, oh, I don't have to wear hijab, so I'll take my hijab off, get my hair all nicely colored, right? Get my makeup done and wear my nice jewelry and nice clothes. This is not permissible for her. Go ahead. Okay, the question is that 
Is this the point of menopause? Like if a woman has reached menopause or right after it? No. Because it's possible that a woman is in her 60s, but she's still very beautiful. She's attractive. Right? She's not of those women who are لا يرجون نكاحن. You understand? This is about a woman who is of the قواعد. قواعد is who? Just sitting. Just sitting. You see, like an old age home. When people are there, people who are living over there, what are they like? What kind of social life they have? They hardly have a social life. Right? So this is talking about extremely old women. Now, this ayah, it permits such women to remove their hijab. Alright? However, it does not allow them to start hugging non-mahram men or start touching them or shaking hands with them. Because unfortunately, this is something that is quite common in our cultures, that a woman who has a few gray hairs, she thinks that she is now old, right? even though she's wearing full makeup. And then when she sees a man, I mean, even if he's 18 years old or 20 years old or 22 years old, he's still non-mahram, right? And he's a non-mahram man. But what will she do? Get up and congratulate him because he got married and give him a big hug. I'm so happy for you. And the poor guy with the beard, he's so embarrassed. What just happened? Right? But she treats him like a grandson. And so she thinks, oh, I'm old. It's okay for me to hug him. No, it's not okay for you to hug him. It's not okay for you to shake hands with him. It's not okay. The only allowance that is given over here is remove what? the outer garment, if that is difficult for a woman to wear. And that too, Allah says, وَأَنْ and that يَسْتَعْفِفْنَ They refrain. If they refrain, refrain from what? Removing their outer garment, that is خَيْرٌ لَهُنْ That is better for them. It is best for them. Why? Why is it best for them? Because when a person has started a good deed, any good deed, small or big, he or she should remain consistent. Until they die. Until they die. They should be consistent with it. You see Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, when he was very young, right? he was a teenager, and the Prophet ﷺ told him, do not fast every day. He said, I can do it. But the Prophet ﷺ, the maximum that he allowed him was, okay, fast every other day. Alright? Now Ibn Umar, he used to fast every other day. So one day he would fast, one day break, and the next day he would fast throughout the year. Okay? Because he said, I have the capacity, I'm young, I can do it. And he did it. And he continued. And in his old age, he would say, I wish I had taken the Prophet ﷺ's advice. Because he discouraged me from fasting even so often, because now it's becoming difficult for me. But you notice that Ibn Umar did not stop. Even in that old age. Why? Why did he not stop? Because he started it. So once we start something, it is best to die with that. You understand? Not to stop in the middle, not to discontinue in the middle. But it doesn't mean that if a person is in great discomfort and hardship, he should still not stop. No. Over here we see an allowance is being given to women. If it's extremely difficult for them to continue wearing the outer garment, they may take it off. Alright? My grandmother, everybody tells her that uh, it's okay, you can take your abaya off. You know, I've seen many people saying that to her. You can take your abaya off. It's okay, because when she comes here, even then she keeps her abaya on and she covers her face. Right? So people tell her, take your naqab off. It's okay, no big deal. But she's like, no way. She refuses. 
absolutely refuses. And many times when she comes here and we have to go somewhere because she's had both her knees replaced, she has difficulty walking. So many times on longer trips or any time we're out for long, we have a wheelchair for her. But still she refuses to remove her niqab. She's like, I'm not going to take it off. Right? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give her the tawfiq to continue with it and make it easy for her because any good deed that we start, it's best to continue it. وَأَن يَسْتَعْفِفْنَا If they refrain, خَيْرٌ لَهُنْ وَاللَّهُ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ Allah is hearing and knowing. Look at these names of Allah that are mentioned here. Allah hears and He knows. What does He hear? What people say. It's okay, take it off, no big deal. And Allah knows your ability, your situation, what you're able to do and what you're not able to do. Now let's listen to the recitation of these verses. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لِيَسْتَأْذِنْكُمُ الَّذِينَ مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُكُمْ وَالَّذِينَ لَمْ يَبْلُغُوا الْحُلُمَ مِنْكُمْ ثَلَاثَ مَرَّاتِ مِنْ قَبْلِ صَلَاةِ الْفَجْرِ وَحِينَ تَضَعُونَ ثِيَابَكُمْ مِنَ الظَّهِيرَةِ وَمِنْ بَعْدِ صَلَاةِ الْعِشَاءِ ثَلَاثُ عَوْرَاتٍ لَكُمْ لَيْسَ عَلَيْكُمْ وَلَا عَلَيْهِمْ جُنَاحٌ بَعْدَهُمْ طَوَّافُونَ عَلَيْكُمْ بعضكم على بعض كذلك يبين الله لكم الآيات والله عليم حكيم وإذا بلغ الأطفال منكم الحلم فليستأذنوا كما استأذن الذين من قبلهم كَذَلِكَ يُبَيِّنُ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ آيَاتِهِ وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ وَالْقَوَاعِدُ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ اللَّاتِي لَا يَرْجُونَ نِكَاحًا فَلَيْسَ عَلَيْهِنَّ جُنَاحٌ فَلَيْسَ عَلَيْهِنَّ جُنَاحٌ أَن يَضَعْنَ ثِيَابَهُنَّ غَيْرَ مُتَبَرِّجَاتٍ بِزِينَةٍ وَأَن يَسْتَعْفِفْنَ خَيْرٌ لَهُمْ وَاللَّهُ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ I have a question for you. If extremely old women who are qawa'id they are not allowed to do tabarruj, display their adornment, highlight their adornment, be flashy with the clothes that they wear. Then do you think it's permissible for younger women who do yarjuna nikahan? Would it be permissible for them? No. So this ayah shows that if it is permissible for older women to take their hijab off, then for younger women it's not allowed to take their hijab off. If older women... Even when they do take their hijab off, they're not allowed to do tabarruj, then younger women are not allowed to do tabarruj at all. Any question about this? Okay. Children, little children, if they're outside, they're playing outside, they want to come in the house. If they're coming in outside of these three times, they don't need permission. Alright? However, if in these three times, they're coming into a house that is one bedroom, and the mother 
the father are alone inside, then they have to take permission. Or if they're coming into their parents' bedroom, then again they will need permission. Alright? Now, again, if the doors are open, five people are sitting inside, then of course, no permission is needed. Even if it is at the time of Zahira. You understand? But if the door is closed, and only the father is inside, or the father and mother are inside, then it's not okay. Alright? Okay, go ahead. The question is that if an old gentleman wishes to you know, pass their hand over your head or something like that or shake hands with you, then what do you do in that situation? Because if it's not okay for older women to touch younger men, then it's not okay for older men to touch younger women. Right? That physical contact should not be there. So how do you avoid that? Without being disrespectful. How do you do that? First of all, stay as far as possible. Okay, don't be too comfy and sit next to them or go very close to them. All right, maintain a distance, and it's possible that despite your maintaining distance and your best efforts to keep yourself away, they don't understand and they still reach out and they pass their hand over you. Now it happens, all right, and may Allah forgive us and forgive them. But then you have to do something. You have to do something about it. That if a person is not getting it, then either talk to their wife. All right, or talk to your husband or talk to your father or somebody to communicate that for you. I remember I was in a situation that was like this, very similar to this. And alhamdulillah, my sister-in-law, may Allah reward her, she just came in the middle. You know, she just came in the middle because somebody extended their hand out in order to shake their hand with me. And um, they were almost reaching out. And I'm covering my face, by the way. They're almost reaching out to hug me. And I'm like, لا حول ولا What are you supposed to do? And alhamdulillah, my sister-in-law, she just stepped in the middle. And you know, she kind of diffused the whole thing. It could have been quite difficult for both parties. But alhamdulillah, the whole situation was resolved. So you need somebody's help over there. Right? So for instance, somebody's reaching their hand out, you have your brother with you, he should reach his hand out and shake hands. And while he's shaking hands, you know, you can say very politely, you know, assalamu alaikum or something and just walk away. Right? Or if they are of that level where they will actually understand that you don't shake hands with non-mahram men, you can communicate during that time. Go ahead. Okay. In the workplace or at school, how do you avoid this? Hmm? Now, again, you have to communicate. You have to communicate. You have to let other people know. You know, my sister-in-law, she, um, Sister Rushta, right? she had come and given you a workshop also recently, right? She told me that uh, her mother, my mother-in-law, she taught her that when you're at school and there are boys, they have to be one arm length away from you at all point. At all points. Whether you're sitting, you're standing, there should be one arm distance between you and them. Minimum. All the time. Doesn't matter where you are. Minimum distance. So when you have this much space all the time, this radius all right, around you that's free, then what's going to happen? People are going to understand that, you know, for example, somebody comes very close to you and you step back. And you keep talking to them in a professional way. Right? You just take a step back. Somebody comes and sits next to you, you get up and you move to the side. Alright? And you still talk to them, you still say whatever you have to, keep communicating with them, whatever is necessary, but maintain a distance. And when you will maintain this physical distance, then what will happen? People will understand. 
eventually they will get it. Go ahead. Job, you know, the say cycle, and the, all the customers came and they, you know, put a hand in front of me and shake hand. I refused, right? So uh, next day he said to the secretary, tell to uh, Mrs. Khan not to come to office. I said, okay. So I didn't go for first day and second day and the, and the shipment was hold because they need my signatures, you know, they should be passed. So third day he called. The secretary called and he said, uh, why, she's not coming. Then I said, uh, can you transfer the line to him? Because uh, he said to general manager that she should not come. So he came on the line. He said, why are you not coming? I said, because you said to me not to come. Then he said, no, you should come because your shipment is on hold. Anyways, then I went. So what happened? When the next customers from France came, they said, you know, he told them before like she is a Muslim lady, you should not, you know, your, put your hand in front of her and say, you know, for the shake hand, you know, what did that person did? He said, you know, namaste to me. Then I said again, <laughs> we don't say namaste. And I said, just hello to him. And then we, we yeah. carried on. I mean, you see, just like we learned in the previous ayah, that initially it is difficult. But that is when Allah is testing us. What do we do? How firm are we about our principles? Initial stage is very difficult, but you stay firm, inshallah, people will understand, they will accept, you'll get used to it, you'll figure out also what you should do. Assalamualaikum. So I was going in for a research opportunity program interview, and uh, it was this Italian TA, I don't think he was uh, accustomed to seeing a lot of Muslims or anything. So I walk in and he just puts his hand out, and in the first instance, I mean, I didn't process, I just shook it. And then after the interview, um, he put his hand out again, and I told him that I can't shake it. And he wasn't offended or anything, and he was very understanding, and actually ended up getting the position. But, um, you know, I realized that it was a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I was like, I have to, you know, I have to make it clear, especially yes. when he did it the second time. Yes. And this is the thing. Once you do it, if you just say, oh, it's going to be just one handshake, it's okay, I'll seek forgiveness. That means there's going to be another handshake, and another one, and another one. So don't allow yourself to even do it once. Don't allow yourself to do it even once. I have noticed like in Canada, most of the places are very secure. And the human resources department is really good. And they are very sensitive in the business sector, specifically If you look at the IKEA workshop, I think in Middle East, they take all the women away. So they, from their catalog, because it's aimed for IKEA. Now, it's very confusing for people because different men, Muslim women, act different ways. So it's it's very confusing for the other person that one is shaking hand. Even for Ramadan, you want to teach them, but how much you want to open, because if you tell too much, maybe the days you are not fasting, now how much you want to tell. And... um, I teach special needs students, and it's not about like being Muslim, but we teach them about personal space, just like you said. So when you give that body language about personal space, most of the time people get it really well. Uh, the people who don't get it are the ones who don't get a lot of other things either, the clues. Uh, but sometimes, I mean, just if not directly, sometimes indirectly, if yes. you give the message, people get it. Yeah. Uh, but overall, uh, most of the people are not creeps here. Most of the people are very decent uh, in workplaces. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Okay. See, the thing is, when it comes to a non-mahram, regardless of how they're related to you, if they're non-mahram, they're non-mahram. Right? So you could 
still say salam in a respectful way and you see somebody has to bring the change right because what do we see over here that when the children reach the age of puberty they have to do what others before them used to do right because this etiquette is learned how through observation you do what you see all right this has to be passed on through action so it will be difficult for you to begin this change it's possible that your uncle your grandmother whoever they yell at you your parents get upset with you but if you take the stand and you become firm then you are inshallah setting a good trend that no we have to observe allah's laws even in the house and inshallah your younger sister your younger brother even they will you know have the courage to continue in this way i'm not saying be disrespectful always be respectful but greet them in a different way you don't always have to shake hands i know of a friend who had planned it in such a way when her daughter was getting married she had a gift wrap a small light gift wrap in her hand and she had a purse in her hand so nobody would uh, oh, shake hands clever and then scholar also once said when he was asked like uh, when students are in college and school he said that you should have a, a light magazine or a book in your hand so nobody attempts and even if they like look at your book you know like look at your hands like they are full smart good good so when you're in the workplace or when you're with around people instead of so when they reach out their hand for you a really respectful way to do it is instead of reaching out your hand you put your hand over here on yes. your like on your like on your right chest. above your like heart and stuff and you know you just nod your head a little bit they find that really respectful because you're still responding to them but you've also made it clear that you know what sorry i'm not going to shake your hand yeah and this is not bowing down because we're not allowed to bow down to other people this is just putting your hand over here and just uh, you know saying hello and you can explain to them if possible go ahead Assalamu alaikum. Just a quick example. I mean, people are very understanding in general. So, I don't know if you guys know about Howie Mandel, but he's a famous uh, Canadian comedian he and he's a germaphobe, so he doesn't shake hands. And so at first people are like, what's wrong with this guy? But now people have come to realize, oh, he doesn't shake hands and they're completely okay with it and he's non-Muslim. He's a germaphobe. So, if people respect someone like that like, oh wow, you're a germaphobe, you don't shake hands, then it shouldn't be a problem. And inshallah, when you put in your mind that I'm doing this for the sake of Allah, wallahi and i'm not joking like it will your life will completely change and people will respect you more never do things for the sake of oh they're going to feel bad if you do it for the sake of allah they'll respect you more than like oh that person over there doesn't shake hands or that person over there oh she's a muslim woman and um you know don't sit ne- next to her and i've experienced this um in high school in classes there are a lot of uh, other people who are you know chill kind of thing so they'll be comfortable with them but as soon as like we're in a group project and like oh that's Nadia and they step away like a couple of seats over and they don't even come that close so alhamdulillah and it's just really really important if you put it in your heart and you go for it you'll find that as you continue on in your life and you so many different people people respect you that way so just always keep it in your mind you're doing this for the sake of Allah and it'll be good yes jazakallah khairan